Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10 at 10. I'm Jason Perry and I'm Kimberly Bradshaw and each Thursday at 10 o'clock we talk to you about the latest going on in HR and employment law. Never a dull moment, eh? In, indeed. Um, Kimberly, I kind of think the story of the week that caught my attention was that there's a lot going on on gender bias and equality, isn't there? Oh, yes, that caught and my eye. And a favourite of yours. Absolutely. Being a woman. Um, yes, the Chartered Institute of Management had some research um, uh, launched this week, which showed um, a third, was it, of male managers think too much effort is being dedicated to improving gender balance in the workplace. Indeed. It really is this question of, do we still have a problem? And, uh, you know, we can look at gender balance, but you can look at any equality issue. I don't think there's much doubt you know, certainly in the time I've been working in HR, we can see a significant difference from where we were 10, 15, 20, you know, 30 years ago. It, 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 you know, the journey has been quite impressive. But there's still a problem, isn't there? Oh, there is. And actually, in my experience, it's still alive and kicking gender bias. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of clients that I've worked with and, and employee employers I've had in the past, uh, you know, some time back, where, you know, there is a bias, but they don't see that it's a bias and they can't hear that there's a bias. Yes. Um, but as you say, things have improved dramatically since uh, I was taken to meetings in one of my first jobs and everyone just assumed I was the secretary there to pour coffee. Yes, yes. I mean, what, what's interesting about this study out of the uh, Chartered Institute of Management um, is, as you say, one third of men, or one third of male managers, I should say, think that too much effort is being made, too much is being dedicated to improve gender bias. Now, that's kind of interesting in itself, but then when you say, well, okay, what do the female managers think? That's where it gets really striking, isn't it? Yes, only 13% of women felt the same. But as a woman, I do feel a bit let down that any thought that that was the case. Mm. Uh, and I wonder why that is. Is it because they're concerned about um, positive discrimination and so the best people not getting the jobs and if they get promoted, are they there on their own uh, calibre? Or... I, I guess it depends on your employer. I mean, I've worked in environments where um, you look at it and you think, are we too much playing the game and ticking boxes here? And you see some organisations that are so committed to achieve the outcome that it is no longer about what's best for the organisation. It's about having the right quotas, the right balances. And that can't be good for business. That can't be good for any employer. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I think um, it, it made me think also about the... Um, there was a survey by, was it Working Wise, about women working beyond retirement? Yes. And, you know, this sort of leads into the same thing, mm. where they found that 50% of women approaching retirement will have to continue working well past their yes. normal retirement age because of a financial shortfall. Yes, it was just over half of them that felt that their pensions were just too low to manage into mm. retirement because of career breaks and time off they take taken during their career. Mm. 
And that's, you know, that's very worrying because is it they're getting left behind because they're not getting the promotion? Um, so they're not making up the, you know, making up the career path. Is it partly that, you know, they haven't prepared themselves mm. um, and haven't taken advantage of, of pensions? Because I remember looking at it the other day and I think the average pension pot is £50,000 in the UK, whereas what you really need is about 300000 And yes. so, you know, it, it is a worry and I think more needs to be done to make sure that, you know, women and men are mm. better prepared for the future. And I suppose that's kind of a point about HR, you know, I'm going to use your favourite phrase, it's employee engagement, isn't it? It, it? It's about HR working with people and helping them understand not just the job that they're doing in order to deliver the results, but the other half of the equation, which is their salary and reward package and what this means to them and when they're going to be able to retire. And I remember working the early days in my career, I worked in the post office, and we used to run a series of events for our people on retirement seminars. And it wasn't just the people who were about to retire, but it was about helping people understand how to plan for their retirement, their future, what their pension was going to mean to them and what they needed to do themselves. Absolutely. And certainly, as we were talking about yesterday, Jason, there's been a growing trend in um, not just mental health awareness, but financial health awareness or yes. financial well-being of employees, because the the lack of productivity and uh, you know input of, a, of an employee that is stressed about their finances has a massive impact on an organisation and it's worth the investment. Yes. I think you know a lot can be done to give advice without having to be uh you know a qualified mm. ifa but you know get somebody in and say have you thought about setting up a pension this is what might happen if you don't yeah those kind or you know if you've exited from auto enrollment you know yeah, yeah, are yeah. you really sure I, I guess that's easier for a large employer than it is for a small employer of course so um and the question is how does a smaller employer try and provide those levels of support and employee engagement to its people and it kind of moves on quite nicely i think at its core surely this is about good management skills and investing in people ah, you like yes. what i've done there don't you yeah nice segue i was thinking should we go into the ons data or should we go into the poor management but let's go poor management i think that's great Indeed. I mean, there's, um, and I'm just looking at where this data came from. I'm failing to spot it on my notes, actually. But um, what we've actually got, I think it's the CIPD research, if I recall correctly. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but um, it was showing that two out of five employees say they have left a role because of bad managers and because of their relationship with their manager or how their manager treats them. And as I was reading through this, it just struck me, we are in probably the biggest recruitment challenge, again, I've seen in my lifetime in HR. You know, they've just, right now, we've got more vacancies than there are unemployed people in the UK. And surely what we need to do is invest in retention. And if your own managers are, for want of a better way of putting it, scaring your staff away, this has to be the number one thing to invest in, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, it is a little bit old news because for decades, 
there's been a, you know, a saying in our world that you join a company because you like its reputation or what it does, but you leave because of the person that manages you. And like I was saying before, in, in my experience of learning and development, spanning, you know, however many donkey's years, um, those that are poor managers are the ones that least engage mm. with how to improve. They Again, they don't recognize that's a problem, but absolutely organizations need to reduce their churn and go back mm. to our favorite phrase, employee engagement, yes. and get their management working as good managers. Yes. And you know, there's so much in here and I'm, it's not often you'll hear me talk about unions and I'm not always known to be the biggest fan of them. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there was a story, I think it was in the Times this morning, about uh, strikes on the um, um, underground, which are going to clash with the um, Jubilee celebrations. And apparently this is all down to one manager. And what's actually happening is the unions are complaining because of a particular manager, how they have treated staff at a particular underground station and the way in which staff have been treated, dismissed and so on. And you, it just shows you, I'm, I'm not a fan of the union's reaction to it, I think there are better ways, but it shows you the impact of having that one poor performer as a manager in your organisation can have such huge effects people mm. resigning, industrial action, poor performance, loss of revenue. And I come back to it's got to be the number one investment point for any sensible employer right now of let's get that right as to how we stand our best chance of surviving these next couple of years of challenging times. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as we all know, but sometimes you don't when you get promoted, is you get promoted because you're good at what you were doing. Yes. However, when you get promoted, the skill set you need is very different and not all people are well adapted to it. Yes. Um, it you need excellent people skills. Yes. And I remember years back, I was talking to uh, a very well-known insurance company and they were talking about having... Um, parallel paths for technical experts, those that were deep experts and were rubbish with people, and those who were good, uh, good experts, but they had the potential to be Indeed. the management. Indeed. Kimberly, I think you and I could talk for hours on this, but as ever, um, our 10-minute slot is running to an end, so uh, thanks so much. But uh, HR in 10 is currently HR in 11. So we'll wrap up for today. And I shall look forward to seeing you same time next week. Goodbye. See you next week. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.